Hello, welcome to Let's Talk About It with Jalen Thomas, episode one. So recently, I've had the opportunity to take a juvenile justice course, and from this course, I've gained a not a lot of wealth of knowledge, and I have did a lot of analyzing and a lot of I've done a lot of backtracking in a lot of situations in my life due to this course. This course was about the study of juvenile delinquency. And it was also about the analyzing and describing of nature and the extent of delinquency. The suspected causes of delinquent behavior and and the environmental influence on youthful misbehaviors. And they also talked about a host of other things. Right. So before I started this course, I didn't really know much about juvenile delinquency, so to speak. I will admit that I was naive to what was going on in the juvenile courts. And one of the things that I was more naive about is that any 13 year old or above, can be tried as an adult if he or she has a record of previously breaking the law. Let that sit simmer for a little bit. Imagine a 13-year-old being tried as an adult, right? That was one of the things that I didn't know coming into this course that I wish I had should known, you know. And 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 then and thinking about 13 being 13 years old, I kind of reflected back on my life about how I was when I was 13 years old. Growing up, I struggled with ADHD. I struggled with with anger management, I struggled with some mental health things. Um, I was placed in alternative school for many of my middle school years from around fourth all the way up to seventh grade. I was in alternative school. As a as a younger kid before fourth grade, I wasn't allowed to go to to go to school at the high school that I graduated from. I wasn't allowed to go to school in the system that that I really could have. My high school, I went to Carrollton High School, and it is from head start to twelve. We have a campus big school. From a long, from that short period of time, from the time I started pre K, all the way up to around fourth grade, I wasn't allowed to go to school there. Because of the things that I have done, that I had done, and that I had, that I had done to other people. Am I proud of the things I have done? No. If I had a chance to do it all over again, would I do it? No. But at that point in time in life, I had no control, nor did I know the severity of the actions that I have done. There were times to where 
we would be reading as a class and the teacher called on me and something would just come over my body. I don't know what it was. It would just come over my body and it would just say, you don't want to read. And I would tell the teacher, no, that I don't want to read. And she would try to make me and I would pitch a fit in class. Sort of say I would pitch a fit, throw chairs. There's been times to where I've started fights in in school as a young adult at the age of 13. There have been times to where I've tried to run away from home. I've tried to, to cuss my mom back out. All those things that I did as a little kid. And knowing that I could have been arrested for some of the things that I did at the age of 13 really, really gets your mind thinking about how blessed and how lucky you are to to have been surrounded by people who actually cared about you, who wanted to see you be successful. And I think that's why I got some of my values from it and some of my my attitude and my biases from being a kid, me being a kid growing up in a single parent home. Your dad, my dad was incarcerated from the time I was born to the time I was 15 years old. I didn't really have that father figure in my life. My mom worked for a factory making only $13.50 an hour trying to provide for two kids. And and you can kind of, and you could kind of see the struggle that I was dealing with at home kind of play into the role at school. I can just remember from the time being being in middle school and being in but we have junior high school and my school that junior high school is 6th to 8th grade. The times to where I wasn't at alternative school, that I was actually able to go into school, I remember sometimes going to the cafeteria knowing that maybe this is my last meal of the day. Knowing that that I don't know what I'm going to eat tonight. Knowing that, as a matter of fact, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to stay in my house tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch TV tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take a hot shower in my own home tonight. Those were the things that I was going through as a kid. And that anger built up inside of me because a part of me felt like it was my fault that my mother was dealing with what she was dealing with. When my father went to jail, my mother was left with nothing, right? She was just raised, left with two kids, having to raise them on her own. And for a long time, me and my mother really didn't see eye to eye because I felt like I reminded her of my dad, right? And a lot of times, being younger, I always asked my mom, I always asked my auntie, my grandma, why is my mom so mean? Why does she always have an attitude with me? You know, and those were the things that we kind of figure out. But before then, my mom having an attitude with me, I didn't really want to get an attitude back with my mom because I wanted to respect her as a woman. So what I did was I took that attitude outside of the house. I took the attitude to the school. The first word a teacher said to me, 
that was that I thought that was disrespectful. I thought that was being mean. I took my anger out of her. I did what my mom did to me. I did to my teachers, right? And and until I kind of realized what was going on in my head, I had I realized that I was adopting my mom's attitude and her values, and I was and I was and I was adopting them, and I was using them on uh, on other people who didn't deserve that. And this what this course has done for me, it has helped me realize some of the things that I was struggling with in life that I wasn't the only one struggling with. When looking at some of the chapters that we discussed and some of the theories that that we discussed in 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 juvenile justice, one of the one of the theories that really stood out to me was the life course theory, right? The life course theory is a theory that people have that gives people multiple traits. People have a social trait, a psychological trait, and an economic trait. And these traits can cause a person to act different ways. What and the causes of that is it could be family. It could be jobs. It could be influence from the peers' behavior. It could, it could be multiple things. But, but this life course theory has this one bullet point that, that has this one effect that, that really sits well with me. And it keeps, and it always reminds me that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Is that people change over the life course. There are things that happens in people's life that causes them to change throughout it, right? And and one of the things that caused me to change was a positive life experience. I remember being in the eighth grade running my first winning my first football championship, middle school championship, eighth grade championship, and I got player of the game. That feeling of of completement, that feeling of of joy that I felt inside, it was for once. I wasn't being looked at as this bad kid that doesn't do do his work in school that acts out in school, I was being looked at as a hero in my eyes. I was being looked at as as someone who could really make a future, like a career out of himself with this football, with the whole football thing. And after that championship, I went to I remember going to my mother after the championship and saying, I want to play football for the rest of my life. And she asked me why. And I told her, seeing the look on my teammates' face and on everybody's face, and seeing everyone smile and rush the field and and hold me up like I'm just this hero, that made me feel complete in the inside. It gave me something that I thought I that 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 I was missing my whole life. And that was 
the the acceptance from others. I felt accepted into a community that hadn't accepted me yet. Right. So so that's pretty much about me. But let's talk about juvenile delinquency. So what is juvenile delinquency? What did we learn in the course? What did I take away from the course? First, I will give you the plain definition of juvenile delinquency. Juvenile delinquency is the participation in illegal behavior by a minor who falls under a sagittory age limit. Sagittory age limit is a big, big phrase for me. What is the sagittory age limit? That's, that, that's my question to you. What is the sagittory age limit? So let's talk about juvenile delinquency. I will start off with, with the definition of juvenile delinquency. The definition of juvenile delinquency, what I learned from this course, is it is the participation in illegal behavior by a minor who falls under the statutory age limit. The phrase statutory age limit weighs big on my mind, right? Because when you think about statutory age limit, I don't know about you, but I know in my mind, it processes 18 years old automatically. Where I'm from, what we know is that you can be tried as an adult at the age of 18. As I mentioned before in the podcast, I believe, is that children can be tried at the at an earliest age of 13 years old. They can be tried as an adult at the age of 13. And if we can imagine, if you can take yourself being 13 years old, go back to you being 13 years old, and think about all the things you've done. And you look up, what is this illegal? Could I have gone to jail for this? You kind of realize that I'm no different than that kid was when he was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. But before this course, like I said, I was so naive to juvenile justice. I didn't know how lucky I was to not be one of those kids to end up in juvenile or in a, in a, in a program that, that really confines young men, young men and women to nothing, right? And if you think of when we, and one of the things that I've learned in this course, right? Right. So I'm gonna hit you with some hard facts right here. 34% of juvenile, juvenile court population was made up of African-American youth. Hey, that's not half, you say. That's not a bad number. But when you compare it to African-Americans only make up 16% of the general population, 34% out of that 16%. 
of American youth has shown up in juvenile court. So you may ask, why? Here's a few things that, that ties into a lot of behaviors that 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 children experience and a lot of and a lot of a lot of things a lot of a lot of things that plays a role in the kids mindset so for one poverty right kids not knowing where their next meal is going to come from kids not being able to afford food not not being able to afford anything A lot of times, a lot of this happens and it becomes a generational thing. It becomes a generational curse. Health problems, family problems, substandard living conditions, inadequate education. Those are all the things that play a huge role 